Hi, I'm Alon Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends Elon and Dave. Yes, this is Billy Joel A to Z. Welcome to it as we wrap up the letter R today. It's too bad Billy didn't have any pirate songs. Because that would be just perfect for the R's. And he loves talking about ships in the ocean. He does. It's kind of rude of him not to write a pirate song, but... At least he did it in the R's, and we are wrapping them all up today. The five songs that are in the R's, which will be different when we start the S's, as there are about 19 songs, and who knows if we might some find some unreleased ones as well. No more wrap-up shows, no more guests. Let's just talk Billy Joel. Yeah. And in doing so, let's begin by doing our rankings. The songs that we went over in the R's. <laughs> I can't stop doing it now. Uh, actually, there was a comic, a great comic, who should have, you know, but when you're starting out, your jokes sometimes stink. And his name is Blaine Capatch, and he was the best. But his ending used to be the alphabet. He used to do the entire alphabet. And he goes, it used to start A, a, uh, a Fonzie term, A, B. And then he would go over the whole thing. That's a long closer. I know, but then at least being the MC, I knew he was going to end soon, but, but he's a great guy and he's so much funnier than that. But, you know, when you're starting out, you have those bits and then he would be like, R, a hearty pirate noise, R, whatever. <laughs> and then he'd be like, why? And the audience would go, because we like you. And I don't even know if you know what that's from. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Yes. And then he'd be like, see you later, folks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the end. See We're still later. friends, but uh, you know he even makes fun of that because, again, we all do things when we're first starting out. That like I was playing the entertainer, uh, which of course I'll never tell Billy Joel the not Billy Joel one, the Marvin Hamlish one. More to talk about him today. Let's just go over our five songs. Uh, the five songs. Well, I'll just rank them, and then you'll know what the songs are. I'll go first, and I had a tough time, a really tough time, because I'm going to tell you, Alon. Ever since we've done Running on Ice, I've been playing it in the car while I'm driving. That has been my go-to song in the R's where I've been enjoying listening to it again and again. You got to be careful. That'll make you speed. Exactly. It's a tough song. But, uh, and this was tough. I think I have to put at my top of the R's, Rosalinda's Eyes. It's a special song. It's so beautiful. I, I think I have to put that in. But here's the weird thing. I like three of these. I mean, I liked a lot of the art songs. The I, I like running on X. I put that next, but I just put Roberta on the hidden gems list because I loved it. Yeah. So I don't know whether that goes for it, but I think I'm thinking about putting running on ice on. I, I can't decide because I really like it and I want to hear it again. I just took off blonde over blue and added Roberta because in retrospect, like some one of our uh, listeners said, I don't know if I agree with you, blonde over blue. And then it stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, 
I don't know. I agree with that either anymore. And I listened to it again. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm taking this off the hidden gems list. I put on Roberta instead, but I'm thinking about putting on Running on Ice. I know that's crazy. Nobody likes that song, but for some reason I do. That's why it's a hidden gem for you. Well, yeah. So I'm going to go Rosalinda's Eyes, Running on Ice, Roberta. And again, that could have been mixed up. Let's see what happens in a month from now, you know, because I could switch off Running on Ice for Roberta. But right now, Rosalinda's Eyes, Running on Ice, Roberta, Root Beer Rag, obviously Rosalinda last. Wow. Uh, We're very different on this one. I figured we might be. No, can I? I mean, you don't have the original Rosalinda higher than last, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. All right. All right. So go ahead. Okay. So I, I like Roberta best. For me, that's the clear number one. Uh, then I'm putting Rosalinda second, the unreleased really? Rosalinda. That is shocking. You know, I like those early Billy Joel compositions. And this one, I. I like the um, sort of the feel of it. It's very. Oh, man, I just that's wow. I thought we would both have that last. But you're right. It's like like you were saying, I might change this completely. But right now I'm kind of feeling Rosalinda. So that's what I'm going with. And then I'm going Rosalinda's eyes next and then root beer rag and then running on ice last. I think running on ice would be all of our listeners last song. But I don't know what it is about that song. I really like it a lot. I got to run, 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 run. Oh, it's like a horror movie. It's a Halloween song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <changed laughs> uh, what? Oh, you had that last. Yeah. What, where'd you have root beer rag? Uh, second to last. So I think second that was the same last. as you. Yeah. 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 That's where it goes, unfortunately, even though it's so terrific. But yeah, I sing Roberta all the time too. Roberta. <laughs> I don't it's know. So good. It goes through my head. So, yeah, different listing for all of us, but I am loving Roberta and just for some reason loving running on ice. You know, you were talking about, you know, don't get killed in your car or you drive, talk causes you to drive fast. I was looking up something. There's a girl. Her name is Allie Brosh. I bring up her name because apparently she's like a huge, she was a huge blogger and then she wrote some books. So she's like kind of famous, but I, I just assumed it was some random person. She's a little famous, and apparently she blames Billy Joel for almost killing her in a 2009 blog. In fact, it's titled Billy Joel Almost Killed Me. So obviously <laughs> I was intrigued. The story is uh, when she was four, her dad was playing Running on Ice. She loved the song so much. She started sprinting around the house, flailing her arms. And when sprinting and failing, both failed to give proper expression to how much she truly loved running on ice. She started spinning in circles as fast as she could. She got dizzy. She ran into the wall with her head and she was bleeding and had to call 911 and go to the hospital. I can't (laughs) believe this is real. It is real. You can look her up online. The the person itself, I, I assume her article would come up if you put in more stuff. I don't think it's something that comes up when you put in this woman's. Uh, name but yeah she was uh i guess her parents were a big billy joel fans and then she loved this song and this song does make you do that so i'm all yeah. in ally <laughs> i could see myself <laughs> just getting into an accident when listening to this damn song that's why he didn't release it on any greatest hits albums it's too risky too risky it's like those cartoons with strobe lights that are giving people seizures right right uh they depicted that on the simpsons right the japanese ones yeah <laughs> It's funny. I never, I haven't played Root Bear Rag ever since. I guess I just don't care, even though I really like it. I think any Billy Joel fan likes Root Bear Rag. 
but I have been thinking about Marvin Hamler's a lot more, but talking about him a lot lately. I don't know why. And just keep, I was telling Sarah Silverman because she's, you know, working on her Broadway show and we were talking about Marvin Hamler's because, you know, a chorus line was so important as a show. Somebody was just asking me, like, because I guess we were talking about Sarah's show, which is, you know, just opening on Broadway called The Bedwetter. And we were wondering if it's family friendly, which she's saying it is, which it is. I've mm-hmm. seen it now. It actually is. Yes. Is there cursing on it? Yes. But I went to go see that a chorus line at 13. And that was, you know, should we bring the children? Because it talks about gay people and boobies and, uh, you know, curses. One of the songs is called Shit. <laughs> oh. And there just didn't make Broadway shows like that before 1977. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I've been thinking about a lot about Mar- Marmon Hamlish. And it's so funny, you know, the and the possible rivalry that there could have been because I was looking at the charts and Marvin Hamish, the entertainer in 1974, in May of 1974, is number two or three on the charts. It never made it to number one because that song, The Streak, was that I played for you guys during Root Beer Rag or whatever I did play it for that didn't make it. This stupid song, The Streak, lasted so long it could not it went to number one it stayed on number one for three or four weeks and then it just remained at number four for like a month later if there's an audience to be found you'll be streaking it around inviting public critique you just people just did not get sick of it it's so insane and what a silly gimmicky song to become but, a big but it hit. was a fad streaking was a huge fad at that one particular time in 1974 yeah you couldn't get rid of that song the only person that bumped it out was paul mccartney with band on the run finally a made a stance thank you paul <laughs> but that song stayed for a long time and it knocked marvin hamlish out of getting i'm sure billy joel loves the streak because <laughs> it's like good at least he didn't get to number one because how embarrassed would he be that he, that, you know, a song that was a ragtime song that was a piano song that we talked about during Root Beer Rag that made it, you know, and and just again the rivalry whether it's Broadway or rock and roll of Marvin Hamlish. I'm sure he there must have been something to it because again I still don't think he would have put out Root Beer Rag if not for the goddamn Sting. Let alone I don't know if you heard, you know, Marvin Hamlish also wrote another song on that soundtrack called The Pineapple Rag. <laughs> have you heard that one no would you like to yes it's really good <laughs> and he wrote this he isn't just playing an old song no he's playing an old song oh uh, okay so but he... it could have been a hit yeah i mean if the entertainers hit why not pick another one off the soundtrack you know It's a fun song. It's, yeah, that's uh, good. It's weird because you could see that actually. If if they're going to make the entertainer a hit, then why wouldn't they pick another one? Well, if that instrumental did well, let's pick up this one. You and I were bopping along to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so, love Scott Joplin. I like ragtime music. Yeah. Well, the good news is that Billy Joel in his root beer rag did not use the dreaded tuba. So I guess we're good <laughs> about that. Thank goodness. 
Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, a fat person wasn't walking by when he was making that song, which of course, as we know. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was also talking about when I was talking about that A&W root beer song, which, you know, after we were talking about it, I played a clip of it. I remember mm-hmm. I was saying, I'm positive. It goes A&W root beer with that frosty mug taste. And then I said it goes somewhere else. But I don't know if you heard it when I put it in. It says that line over and over again. It's all it does. It's all just A&W root beer with that frosty mug taste. A&W root beer with that frosty mug taste. A&W root beer with that. That's all they say the whole time. So no, I didn't miss anything. I was completely right about most of it. I think it's weird that their slogan mentions frosty mug taste because mug is one of their big competitors in the root beer game. Maybe it wasn't back then. I think that was an old time. That's been around for a long time also. Oh, it was. Oh, did, did you get my picture? I sent you that birch beer photo the other day. No, I don't know. I don't remember seeing it. Oh, maybe I forgot photo. to send it to you. I found birch beer at the store and I took a picture of it. And I was going to send it to you, but I, I might have forgotten because I got nervous about taking the photo in general. Yeah, people <laughs> are very secretive about their birch beer. Well, I was thinking about buying it, but I bought some apple cider instead. But yeah, yeah. I, I should have gotten birch beer and see what it sounds like. Meanwhile, last night when I was uh, I had dessert, I made a root beer float with Stewart's root beer. Oh, that's great. So there are two other R songs. That there are. <laughs> yes, there are. Now, there's a version of Rockin' in the Free World, which we know is Neil Young, that Billy Joel has done somewhere at some time at some point. But I can't find a goddamn copy of it. And it was a studio I mean, like he recorded it or was no, it like I think he, he does it live? live in concert and is definitely on my listing of songs that he has done. But I cannot for the life of me find a version. Maybe I can find it on Setlist FM. They actually don't even mention it here. Well, somebody mentioned it somewhere that it was listed. But remember what happened with that thing, uh, Mr. Cellophane, and that, you know, that was an insane thing. But I believe he probably played Rockin' in the Free World somewhere in concert. But if you're saying that it's not on setlist.com, which is a pretty cohesive list that we've been using, Maybe it's not a real thing. It makes sense that he might have played it. I thought perhaps maybe he played it in the Russia tour, but that would just be rude. Yeah. <laughs> be a little how he ends up in the gulag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the other song, can you actually check setlist.com? Because I don't think he ever played this live, but it's Revolution by the Beatles. But no, I- it's not here either. Okay, so Revolution is an unreleased track by Billy Joel an unreleased version of the full version of revolution that he made in studio. And it never, well, why would it be released? He, he doesn't do covers, but yes, he has a full version of John Lennon's revolution that he sings in its entirety and plays the whole thing. And it do you know available. when he recorded it? No, I've been trying to figure it out and I can't for the life of me figure out the timeline, mm. but it exists. Does it sound good? It sounds great. Go ahead.
is he doing his John Lennon voice or is he basically doing Billy Joel? I was thinking about that and I you could make a case for both if you hear that you feel he's doing John Lennon, but I didn't really hear a John Lennon. I mostly heard Billy hmm. like kind of maybe trying to bring in his, you know, inner John Lennon, but it's still Billy to me. It's still Billy Joel to me. To me. Roberta, you say you know me. So we've had a lot of great comments, as always, on all these different R songs. So I'll start going through from, uh, I guess I'll do it alphabetically. First one yep. was Roberta. On Roberta, Autumn B. Melody. Remember, we were asking, like, has anyone, who's named Roberta? No one's named Roberta. It's not a popular name. Autumn says that her mom is named Roberta and her dad is named Robert. That's crazy. They're Insane. right. They're not even related. That's well, that's probably how you meet on a blind date. Well, that's yeah. so funny. My name is Roberta. Maybe they got each other's mail. <laughs> well, that's that. That's the way you want it to work for Autumn B. Melody. But um, you hope that's the story she's telling. Yeah. We had asked in that episode if there were any songs that are better live than the studio version. And Italian Stallion Al said, sorry, Dave, but Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen is a good example. I think he's right. Well, yeah. He's def- Wait, what did I say? No, I. There's sorry, definitely- you, because he's mentioning that Bruce did something good. Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, no, I think we're all in agreement that that's an excellent live. I think it's the only version that exists is the lie. I don't think there is a studio version of that. And it's a, there a is. legendary. There is well, not by Bruce Springsteen, but there's a studio version. No, by no, whoever. that's what I meant by Bruce yeah. Springsteen. Yes, that's yeah. a classic live version. Nobody has a problem with that one. It doesn't feel very Christmassy when they play it, though. I got to say we had talked in this episode about how to rank all Billy Joel's name songs. Remember, there was Laura and James and Roberta and Rosalinda. I forgot and Greg Jacks pointed out that we forgot Josephine. Oh, well, why wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good one. I did like that. I'd probably put that somewhere in the lower middle. Wait, you liked Josephine? Yeah, that was fun. It was a rollicking good time. Yeah, I, I, I never want to hear it again. <laughs> and then Steve Hickman said, uh, it's interesting that Barry Manilow's prostitute song is called Bobby Lee, which is like a cross between Roberta and Christy Lee. Yeah, I've never heard that song. He wrote a song called Bobby Lee, or is that somebody else's song? He says it's Barry Manilow. Her name is Bobby Lee, and she's moving. She's got to make a dream come true. Some might say she took a dead wrong turn. Well, she took the only road she knew. There's nothing going not know that's i mean uh yeah well that makes sense uh who knows what barry Manilow songs are like right <laughs> yeah why would i know <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> all right and then we get to, get to uh root beer rag on root beer rag dks person says that david copperfield 
made Webster the duck disappear to root beer reg. Who's Webster the duck? I don't know. Some kind of duck that he did a magic act and made disappear. I thought, uh, who's Webster the duck? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was like, is he thinking of Howard the duck or <laughs> no, definitely not. But uh, I, I guess it was just a special where he was like, this is Webster the duck. And I, I thought it was like, you know, a special duck we were supposed to know from the seventies. Yeah, but maybe not. But that's cool that he used it to root beer rag. Maybe we could find a clip of that. That'll be nice. Yes, he's gone from that box. And just as we suspected, Webster is in this box over here. Now. Yeah, there's been a couple other examples people have pointed out of root beer rag being used. Frank Mercagliano says that root beer rag was the background music on the Nintendo game Blackjack. Really? Yeah, an 8-bit version of root beer rag, and you could actually hear it on YouTube. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> And uh, let's see who else liked this song. Oh, here's another one. Rose M. Harmon said that she was playing the vinyl version of Street Life Serenade for her boyfriend. And he pointed out that Root Beer Rag used to be played during Pawtucket Red Sox minor league baseball games when he was a kid. Really? So that's another usage. Wow. And our good friend Steve Hickman in the UK said that British fans of a certain age will recall that one of the most ridiculously fast ragtime songs ever broadcast called the Black and White Rag was the theme to BBC's Pot Black Snooker Tournament. (laughs) It's always about snooker with this guy. A program created by David Attenborough to highlight the arrival of color TV. That song was recorded by Winifred Atwell, who was the first black person to have a number one hit on the UK singles chart. Wow. That is some serious information. Yeah, he always finds a way to make it about snooker. I like that. apparently. He is our authority on the sport of snooker. Greg Jack sent us a video of him explaining why Chris Bonanos was wrong about root beer rag, because Chris Bonanos said it was a very basic rag. He he really disregarded it. And uh, Greg uh, played us a little something. We're going to share it with you guys right now. Okay, here's why Christopher Bernanos is wrong about root beer rag. He said the whole thing is just a C major chord, right? C, E, G. And although it's in the key of C, and the first chord is C, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot of nuance here. Let me go through it with you. So it starts in C, but then goes to B flat, to F, back to C, That's a lot going on, especially that B flat. I mean, that's a not something that's common in early ragtime. That's a later 20th century thing that that came about with like pop music and the Beatles and stuff. So, although the entertainer, let's compare it with that. C chord, C chord, C chord, F, C. I mean, that's all C. So when you compare it with some of the Scott Joplin stuff, you see root beer rag has a little bit more sophistication and modernity to it. So, I don't know. I think Christopher Bernanos is wrong, and this song is genius. So take that, Chris Bernanos. You've just been Greg Jacked. <laughs> I think the best part of the uh, song is the ending. <laughs> when he plays do, 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 do. Boop. 
you know, it's funny. I, I know that the entertainer is totally in the key of C, and I think that's why I was able to play it because it was so easy, you know, that anybody could really play the entertainer. And I don't know why he said it's in C. I mean, it seems to me a song like Rupert Rag is all over the place and has a lot more going on, certainly just by the ear test alone. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that is rather interesting. Thank you so much for that. The next song was Rosalinda. Italian Stallion Al said he uh, he says he thinks it's a loving song, not a not a uh, a mean not the, song. Not like the way think. I think. Italian Stallion yeah, he says, Al is really on my uh, butt these uh, these past two. Uh, he really is. He's a yeah. He's getting on you. <laughs> He says it's loving, but super sad. And, you know, this guy's really just feeling bad for his mom. But he also pointed out that the line just wants to be loved, uh, just wants to love and be loved in return is also used in the movie Moulin Rouge. Oh, and do they also use you can't dance, you old bat? (laughs) I'm pretty sure (laughs) that uh, Nicole Kidman does say that at some point. (laughs) Now, that's the way the song speaks to me. (laughs) Yeah, right. So in this episode, I had mentioned that I thought that that Def Leppard song, Pour Some Sugar on Me, that they say Red iPhone, which yeah. wouldn't make sense because from the 80s, Rose M. Harmon looked it up and the actual lyric is radar phone. Radar phone? That's not good either. What the hell's a radar phone? Nobody knows. Yeah. So I'm going to keep singing Red iPhone. You probably should. And they should be uh, they should have to take some of their money they made on that song back because what's a radar phone? I mean, if you're just saying stuff just to rhyme, you stink. Yeah, they do stink. Radar phone. What's that song? Radar love. Wasn't yeah, like golden earring. Golden earring, right? I mean that. That's good. That's that? a good driving song. <laughs> yeah, but what's radar love? Yeah, doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I wonder if they thought they were being like really cool. Oh, we're modern because we talk about radar. Maybe they talk <laughs> about radar O'Reilly from Mash. No, it's like radar lasers. It's the eighties. Well, actually. Elon Radar was always using a, a big army phone in MASH. Like he was the only one that knew how to use it. He had to crank it up and talk to Sparky on the other side. So yeah. Maybe they're talking about Radar's phone. That would be so strange. The Def Leppard, David Coverdale, that's him, right? He's like, no, uh, how no, about no. we remember that? No, David Coverdale was Whitesnake. Oh, so who's the Def Leppard guy? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a bunch of guys that nobody really knows. Yeah, it's Jimmy Van Leppard. <laughs> and uh hugo deaf yeah and they joined <laughs> together and uh yeah, they're gonna be deaf von leopard but then they're like let's get rid of the the bond we don't need that. well you know me i'm always hoping it's uh, actually about a sitcom from the 70s that they're referring to but probably not radar's phone <laughs> radar <laughs> that's the parody version of that song <laughs> and uh, we had asked in this episode if anyone else has written more songs about their mom and long live jordan 13 said that taylor swift has written two songs about her mom so that's pretty close well, I feel like it's different for a girl. A boy writing three songs about his mom is yeah. a little awkward. It is. Yeah. I can always find my Cuban skies and Rosalinda's eyes. Speaking of songs about his mom, the next one was Rosalinda's eyes. Crazy. Which, what a great, what a, what a, what a terrific song. It really is. Everyone loved it. A lot of people loved it. And a lot of people loved the episode itself. They were really into the episode. Oh, I'm so glad because that could have gone either way. Why do they keep doing those ads? <laughs> yeah. Well, Smurfy Pyrex, our friend Marcy, said excellent episode. She loved your fake commercials. I'm so glad. She also said it's hilarious how I'm younger than you. And yet I have to keep you on track. 
<laughs> I guess we were going off on some tangents. And very nice. She said, thank you for a year of joy and laughs. You two are fantastic together. And I love you both. Oh, that's very nice. Very well, we sweet, Marcy. You. Thank we you. We love you too, Marcy. Jesse Thomas Brown said the song is great and reminds him of summer nights in 1970s New York City. Mm. Yeah. Even though yeah. It takes place in yeah. Havana. No, exactly. I It reminds me of the same thing. It's summer nights in New York City in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Or, you know, thinking I hear those ads everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Catalina, our authority on the Spanish language, I guess we could say, said that she loves the way that Billy Joel says senorita. Oh, that is great, isn't it? She also says they do not have the instrument, the recorder in Chile. So she's not familiar with that. That's what makes that a great town. <laughs> it's a place to go. And she asked, why would a pizza place celebrate Billy's mom's 100th birthday? Is that because Italians love their moms? Yes, it is. That's it right. Is. That's exactly what it is, let alone, you know, it's a smart move if you own a pizza place in Long Island to celebrate anything, Billy Joel, but to celebrate her 100th birthday. Hello and welcome to Billy Joel's mother's 100th birthday. <laughs> Say Rosalinda at the register for one free small poke. <laughs> Our deal will be two slices of pizza and a 40 for 10 bucks. You cannot get a better deal than that. If you're underage, uh, just don't say shit about it to the cops. We'll still get to the fort. <laughs> so join us here at the Valley Green. Wait, isn't that what it is? Did I get Village that wrong? Green. Oh, the Village. Oh, my God. Again, the worst Billy Joel podcaster of all time. Join us here again at the Village Green every Friday or every year at this time to celebrate Billy Joel's mother. <laughs> we hope one year he will show up, too. <laughs> he probably will. Do I get a free slice? No, Billy. We all know you have money. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a few more comments on this song. B. Goldman said, great episode. The song was also used in the show Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Yes, I know that. Our good friend Dan Natterman wrote, Rosalinda says she knows. So I think he's just, he's just writing lyrics. Come on, Dan, be more original. Maybe he's talking about Rosalinda's nose. Oh, yes. I mean, he's doing a little... Well. It's kind of, there's, there's another thing. What are we going down his mom's body? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Describing her boobs was too much, Billy. Too much. <laughs> it's a little awkward, Billy. Gaston Spidey said, underrated song. He sings it many times and always has it humming in his head randomly. Okay, next, Running on Ice. Running on Ice, yes. Italian Stallion Al said that the first Billy Joel show he went to was during the bridge tour, and A Matter of Trust was the opener, and he okay. thought that was a great opening song. What? God, he really does hate me. Yeah. Uh, remember, I was just saying that was a crappy opening song. I was really upset about it. Remember, I thought it was Running on Ice, but then I remembered it was A Matter of Trust, and I'm like, ugh. But we also respected the fact that he had the balls to open with his new hit song, so. Yes. I just don't, I don't know. I'm down on that song, I guess. And we pointed out how great it would have been if Paul McCartney was in a super group. And Morley Scott pointed out he was in a super group, the Beatles. But, but that's not a super group. You have to come from other bands. And if the two of them were in the Quarrymen, and I guess you had the other ones who are kind of, I don't think they were in other bands. It, I don't, it doesn't really count yeah. as a super group. I think you have to be in a famous band already and then combine. 
Yeah, that's how they usually. I use mean, the I'm term. with you 100 percent that the Beatles are a supergroup, but they're not technically a supergroup because they, you know, they weren't really in other bands that they were children. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, though. All these supergroups are always like worse than the original group that these people came from. They're like oh, great in some ways. The Tropic Wilburys are cool, but like yeah. they're not as good as everything else these it, guys did. It normally doesn't work because there's too many egos involved. So I, you know, but that's why when we were talking about that, everybody's still alive. Uh, Sting, Don Henley, Paul McCartney, and Billy. It could work now because I can't imagine they would be even give a crap. Well, you put, I mean, first of all, everybody's going to be like, Paul, you're, you, whatever you say. Uh, and then, um, you know, I feel like this time they would kind of go with the flow. But I think if they did this in their 40s, there could be trouble. And that's usually the problem with supergroups is just too many egos. Like, I think it should be this way. I think it should be this way. Um, I think a, a good successful one was anyone that had two albums was usually considered successful. So Asia was successful. Bad English was successful. Traveling Wilburys, obviously. Those are supergroups made from other bands and pieced together. Uh, Velvet Revolver, right? That was um, Slash and some other guys from Guns N' Roses. And yeah, some but other what? Dudes. So what? What they had? Yeah, well, they did. I guess they were okay. Did they have a hit? Oh, and and uh, Scott Weiland was their singer, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. So yes, that is a supergroup. That counts. Yeah, but did they have a hit? They were really popular. I forget what the hit was, but I I, I think they had some rock hits. Nothing super uh, like not on pop radio so much. What I'm saying, rock. the the bands I mentioned, they they had hits. You know, Bad English Asia. Um, so they had big hits, like monster hits. That monster jazz. Number, you know, three or one on the charts. Yeah. Uh, but I'm um, with you on Velvet Revolver. That is that would be definitely considered a supergroup. Yeah. Autumn B. Melody said the Threat Level Midnight episode of The Office is one of her favorites simply because they use Running on Ice. Makes sense. bu to believe said she loves the police style of this song and always listens to this song back to back with Spirits in a Material World. Yeah. And that this song has one of the best piano intros in the same league as Angry Young Man. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Love it. And our final comment on Running on Ice comes from Steve Hickman from the UK who said he loves the hissing alliteration in the song, and that line, statistic in a system that a civil servant dominates. Yeah. Now, he thinks that when Billy Joel writes in the first person, it isn't always really about Billy Joel. So it doesn't mean that Billy Joel was feeling stressed out or in a bad mood. He might have still been happy, but just writing about people in general who might feel this kind of way. Well, you're talking about uh, Billy Joel talking in the first person, or maybe that it's about somebody else. I guess, I mean, that's the way people write. It's what I'm thinking about that song and thinking about Sting with Synchronicity or Synchronicity 2, whatever one it's next to. Sting also talks about the, the pressure. Synchronicity 2 is about, you know, packed like lemons into shiny metal boxes, contestants in a suicidal race. So he's not talking about himself. He's talking about other people. He's talking about, you know, people, too. So, yeah, that adds up to me what, what, what he's saying, what Steve's saying about Maybe it's not about him. Maybe it's just the the daily grind of life. Yeah, it's just like we we so often feel like Billy Joel is being very autobiographical. However, he is just married the hottest girl on the planet. Why are you writing songs about the daily strife and the daily grind of life? It doesn't make any sense <laughs> because Sting is writing that because he was finished with the police. He was done. He was angry. He had had it. He hated Stuart Copeland. That makes sense. If you just got married to really Actually, this is no, not even an exaggeration. The prettiest known fact that she was the hottest girl on the planet at the time. Why are you writing songs like that? Thank you.
You're correct. <laughs> and the final thing we should talk about is the Denny Somak interview, which I thought was fascinating. And our listeners thought so too. They use that word frequently. Uh, Jira, sola, sola, Jira. Thought this was fascinating. And Gaston Spidey said this was the most intriguing story ever told on this podcast. And it was amazing to hear how humble Billy was in the beginning. So I have to apologize to you because I saw all those comments. And I believe I had said to you, I don't know about this guy. And yeah, you were skeptical. It was everybody's favorite interview. So uh, kudos to you, my friend, for uh, saying, no, I'm telling you, this guy's the guy. Yeah. I mean, that is just it's incredible to meet someone who has such a seminal role in Billy Joel's career. I, quite frankly, I can't stop thinking about Friday Night Videos. I, th- I can't stop thinking about it. I can't believe he started that show. And then I can't believe I was on it years later after he had <laughs> nothing got to cut. do with it. Yeah, I got cut. Well, I got the video. I have the proof. Well, you got to upload that. We got, we got to see that video. My stupid manager. He's like, Dave, you insulted the show. And I'm like, what the hell is the matter with you? You know damn well I didn't insult the show. I'm the only one who prepared ahead of time. Thank you. It's my fault. I am I'm livid about the Friday night videos. Now I, I took away from the Denny Somic wonderful interview. Sorry, everybody. Friday night videos. You've been just gowed. <laughs> You've been just gowed. Coming up videos for Billy Joel, Prince, Hall and Oates. And comedy <laughs> by Dave just <laughs> That's right. That's right, people. Well, folks, that was our R song wrap up. Coming up in the S's, we have some goodies for you. Like what? Like scenes from an Italian restaurant. I've never heard of that one, but. Sleeping with the television on. Well, I like television. Summer Highland Falls. That could be okay. And like 60 other songs in the S's. Yes. So, a lot to look forward to. We're very excited to get to this sexy letter. Yeah. So, until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. So now you've heard what they thought of that song. Famous last words. This podcast ran too long. Stories, jokes, your hosts were full of silly anecdotes. And so it goes. Another show about Billy Joe